Welcome into Hoops Forum, production of Radius Athletics and the Quick Timeout Podcast. I'm Tony Miller, and my co-host Randy Sherman will join us here in just a minute. As always, thanks to our sponsors over at 323 Sports. If you're thinking about new basketball uniforms for your program this year, let me encourage you to take a look at 323 Sports' good game line. Right now they have a special a home and an away uniform that's jersey with shorts, and it also comes with a shooting shirt for only $145. To find out more about what they can do for your program, visit 323sports.com, or you can contact a sales rep at sales at 323sports.com. They'll be sure to do it right for your basketball program. Randy, why don't you go ahead and introduce what we're going to be talking about today? Yeah, for once I did, I kind of came up with the idea. You're usually the one coming up with the idea and make it easy on me to just show up and talk. And so I guess the idea for today is to talk about youth basketball and maybe some approaches and some adaptations or or just some things that maybe just bug us or we'd like to see done differently about youth basketball and offer some ideas for alternatives. So it probably has come about because I, from time to time, and I'm sure you do too, get get emails or, or DMs or, or whatever from coaches who are like, you know, I'm, I'm coaching my son's 10-year-old and under basketball team and, and I, I bought your playbook and or something like that. And and I feel like maybe it's an audience we haven't spoken to yet with it, with the youth basketball coaches or we as a topic we haven't talked about yet. You know, when I have that happen and somebody reaches out to me about eight year old, 10 year old about some five out early offense package I put out, I'm like, I didn't make that for you. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I didn't make that for you, but I appreciate you buying it. And thanks for following. But I guess just maybe that's been on my mind lately is like some of the things that I've communications I've received over the year from youth coaches and, 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 and how I try to re-steer those conversations. I think a lot of it has to do with uh, us, what we like personally as coaches. And to your mm-hmm. point, like sometimes it fits within maybe who we are or what our team is able to do or what our players are able to do. And sometimes it doesn't. And I don't know that necessarily everybody kind of puts the thought into it yeah because they they prefer they show preference to what they liked or what they grew up with and that may that's just how like teaching and kind of life all of life is like we need to really investigate why we're doing what we're doing and is yeah. it the, the, is it the actual best approach for what we're trying to accomplish yeah so i made a list of some things and i know you got you've got a couple items to contribute to i made a list of some things that that i see have observed both while I was coaching and and now that I'm, I'm I'm in my current role helping coaches that that I just yeah I don't know they kind of give me the shivers they give me a you know like yeah like I really wouldn't I really don't like that about youth basketball you know mm-hmm. so I'll start one of the things that I, I I've noticed is this sort of like and I already touched on it is like this idea of of sort of like we're going to get a a group of youngsters, eight, 10 year olds and, and, and teach them like plays and offenses and things like that. And I I don't know about the games of eight and 10 year old basketball that you've attended Tony, but the ones I attended, I see nothing that looks like a play or an offense ever happen. Mm -hmm. So I feel like there's a coach, maybe it's a dad who's just got a good heart. It's not, he's not trying to be malicious or, or anything like that, who, is carrying out the coaching job of a youth basketball team as if they're tiny adults and not kids, right? So 
like I said, I'll get an email. I got your Princeton offense playbook for my 10-year-old team. And I was like, you are not going to see one thing resembling Princeton <laughs> offense in a 10-year-old game. If you do, I would be super impressed. You know, what I see is 10 guys just chasing around the ball. That, you know, everyone's running around crazy. Like, I saw a great quote this week that I like that it's, is play first, learn later, meaning like it, at – at a young age, let's just play. Like maybe there's already rules of basketball. You can't double dribble. You can't travel. You can't step on a, a boundary line. Like let that kind of be it <laughs> and just play and explore within those. And then later we'll, we'll, we can learn plays, learn offenses, learn maybe learn um, techniques and pivots and passes and things like that. But like let's play first, learn later. Well, I think what's interesting is the fact that I read somewhere, heard somewhere, when Dr. Naismith created the game, he created it to be played that way. That it was just for play. There wasn't necessarily plays or this idea of like coordinated efforts. Yeah. Because yeah. Of, and even the way that the game is structured, I'm not a soccer coach, but I know a little bit about it. And mm-hmm. I think that is why we see the accelerated learning and the concepts being picked up faster by soccer players because they spend a lot of times just playing. And just the nature of the game itself, we've stated mm-hmm. before that the nature of basketball is actually a little bit more like soccer than it is football. Yeah. And for historically, so much of basketball in our country has been shaped by football. But just the nature of the starts and stops of football do not go along with the, yeah, the nature yeah. of the game of basketball. It actually goes along more like soccer. I did not yeah. look on your list. I'm going to okay. guess somewhere you say something about, maybe not. I'm going to guess somewhere you say something about not taking timeouts, but maybe so. <laughs> maybe you don't have that on the list. I don't, but no, I don't. But <laughs> I know that's yeah. something that you You're, like. The but, same idea of like just yeah. we're, we're here to play. Like I don't need to call timeout and like. Right. Figure it out, allow them to figure it out. And I think that when I said at the beginning, like, what are we doing here? What are we actually trying to accomplish? Most coaches are going to say, we want them to learn how to play the the game of basketball. Okay, so how do we do that? And it does not come by a set of organized, deliberate plays. When we said last week, our goal is to teach coordinated movements, that's not plays, but we as coaches want to make sure maybe in the vein of we want the these particular guys to get a shot because he's our he's our only player that can make a shot or our best mm-hmm. player too. And it has swung to controlling so much that now we are running so many plays for five-year-olds and yeah. then they don't even know where they're going. But yeah. long-term, it stifles their ability to understand really how to play the game yeah. Out of a good heart. Like we we wanted them to have some success. So we called plays. But mm-hmm. in the long run, that's probably gonna not allow them to actually grow and learn how to play the game itself. Yeah. We've used the word play a lot. And and one thing that did make my list was sort of like what I perceive, and it's just my perception, but I, I think I think it's reality, um, is sort of like a a reduction in free play meaning I, ha- I live in a suburban neighborhood outside of Dallas and it's there's driveways and basketball goals and, and there's an elementary school in my neighborhood, which I know is full of kids. Yet when I walk around doing my exercise and things like that, I, I don't see 
kids playing in the driveways and and playing tackle football in the in the yard like I did when I was a kid. I just don't see that, even though I know my neighborhood is full of children. Like, where are they? Why aren't they outside doing if we take if we've taken that out of our society and then we want to play a sport? That means every single time we really play a sport, we're doing it with a uniform, a coach, a scoreboard, uh, a ref, two referees. Like there's never this sort of like organic self-organization of, of play. And I, and I mean that in the rawest, truest sense of the word play, just play like me and you in the driveway. I read a, I read an article this morning about Kelsey Plum, uh, the Las Vegas Aces player and and I, I notice this a lot in articles. Like she talks about playing. She, she's one of four siblings, and you know, just playing things with her brothers and sisters. And I personally don't see that. I, I, I see a diminished mm-hmm. amount of that for sure. You know, a park near my neighborhood's got beautiful basketball courts. In 1988, that would have been full of people. You know, during the summer or a nice weekend day, like that would have been full of people playing basketball now it's empty i applaud a couple of my coach friends who are doing they are setting up open gym times in the summer just to get guys to play and i'd encourage coaches to i know yeah. your, your time is valuable and what you can do as far as availability and uh, it being allowed within your association or whatever but they are not using that time to come together and work on an offense or work on a defense or work on plays like they just want kids to come in the gym and play and I do think, again, that will help with long-term, really allowing them to actually be a part of opportunities where they can, they can grow and, and become better players. So, When the season gets underway, your time is limited and often important aspects of your life get overlooked, including your health. Late nights studying film, stress levels are high, you're constantly eating out on the road, and working out becomes non-existent. The fundamentals of basketball help you win games, and the fundamental habits of exercise and nutrition will improve your health so that it doesn't take a backseat during the season. Start building healthy habits of nutrition and exercise that maximize your time and manage your stress. My name is Craig Richards, and I am an online fitness and nutrition coach. If what I've just described sounds like something you struggled with, I'm here to help. In the description of this podcast is a link to a free workout plan. All workouts are under one hour to capitalize on your time. If you'd be interested in something more personal and hands-on, a link to one of my coaching applications is in the description as well. Just as you invest time in the game of basketball and the improvement of your team, make sure you invest time in the improvement of your health. Sometimes I'll see... I can remember when I was a head varsity coach and I might, I might uh, be have a little dribblers or youth basketball program in the community. And I'd go visit it and maybe with the, with the mind that maybe I'm going to kind of step in here and help out. But I usually leave like, no, no, I'm good. I'm, I'm, I'm good. I, I'll, I'll, I'll fix all this when they get to seventh grade, you know, but the, one of the things that I see is, is we've got tiny children playing on a court with a 10 foot goal, the same court dimensions, a basketball that's that's designed for human beings of a much larger stat stature and <laughs> size and strength, right? And and again, I think that's an example of we're not actually creating a, a, a sport, a type of game 
that's appropriate for the player. We're coaching them like tiny adults instead of creating something that's appropriate for children. I, I just see different things like strategies that are allowed that like zoning and pressing and things like that, that, that I just don't love for youth. Your thoughts? I don't know why soccer coaches just get it better than most basketball coaches. My son played in a league and they play with a smaller field. They play with smaller goals. They play with fewer players on the field. There is an aspect of not just allowing them and helping them and encourage them to have fun because obviously it is, Research has shown the more fun that you have, the more you stick with something, but also just for the size, the motor patterns, being able to have success of scoring the goal because there was more space or the goal was shorter, or I can actually hold on to the ball and shoot it. That to me just is like common sense. Yeah. There is almost like this. They're proud because I can make it on a 10 foot goal with this big ball. And there are a couple kids that can, but I'd consider those more outliers than others who are going to quit or not stick with it or even see the success. And, and you're not getting your shooting reps in the game. Anyway, you had mentioned in our little pre-show conversation about some playing three on three instead of five on five. I think that's kind of in this same topic right here. Like let's modify the sport that we watch on television basketball and create sort of like a, a similar, but alternative version of that sport. That's, Purpose is development. I'd challenge somebody that's listening to this, or maybe somebody's already done it, is to start a three-on-three league. I think that it actually could be done at the high school and college levels without much change to what you're already doing. You know, I think about like those that have coached tennis before or coached like a a sport like beach volleyball we have here. You have one team, Mm -hmm. but within that team you have, in those cases, you have pairs, you have partners, and why couldn't you have two other partners that you have as your three-on-three team or a team of four. So you could very easily have uh, one three-on-three, like your your team, and have within that three different pairs giving you 12 players. And just cycle. And then just cycle through. And, like, that's how you show up for, you know, a mat. Or you could play it against other schools. Like, you all go and you're only playing half court. So you could be playing one game on one end another game on the other end play to 11 or whatever and then or time limit and then have the next team come on and whoever wins the most three out of four games like your team won the match or whatever Mm -hmm. it is like i'm just thinking again about the implications of more shot attempts more space on the court more reps more More touches more by the way a rule in college volleyball is the coach is not allowed to talk to the team while the game is going on you can talk to them in between so like if if you had like a 10 minute game and you had a five after five minutes you had a little quick halftime the coach is allowed to talk as you switch ends in volleyball but then once it starts they're not allowed to talk again and that kind of goes back to our first point i think you're going to get more free play and more um, understanding of how to play the game if you had a situation like that as soon as the adults get involved and we we say okay we're going to have a league and at the end of, we're going to keep score we're going to keep standings and we're going to have a tournament and then to me as soon as we start doing that there's two dials development and winning and and as soon as we turn do things to to make it high school or adult like and that oh we want to know who the champion is we got to have a winner we got to have an all-star team or something like that we were turning up the the incentive to win dial and we then 
the coach, the dad, the mom, the, the whomever, the volunteer that's in charge of the team then makes tr- strategic decisions that feed toward winning rather mm-hmm. than developing and teaching the game. Mm-hmm. And sometimes those can overlap, but sometimes they're at odds. Like I can just sell, tell my five guys or girls like stay in the paint and make this team of eight-year-olds playing on a 10-foot goal hoist long shots and like they're not going to make any shots or we you know or we can do something like bully ball and play um you know we've got one early bloomer kid who's like bigger stronger faster maybe he's uh you know got a little bit more exposure to basketball at an earlier age than the rest of the kids and like the coach who's i want to win the league title i want to win the trophy whatever is like quickly figures out that just get the ball to that kid and you guys get out of the way that that to me is about winning, not develop. So I asked a question to the coaches in my mentoring program, a bunch of high school and college coaches I work with from all over the country, even, even abroad. You know, I just said, what's your biggest gripe about youth basketball? You care if I read some responses? Yeah, go right ahead. One says too many games. Like maybe the, the practice to game ratio is out of whack. Another says full court pressing. I, I see that. I used to see that a lot when I would go watch youth little dribblers or something in the communities I coached in. And I would see like, yeah, no one's really getting anything out of this. Like it's just press get, you know, I, I just, maybe there's some rules and strategies that should be held back. And, and this coach um, who offered his answer thinks full court press might be one of them. And another one says, winning is the only concern. I think that speaks to what I was talking about. Are we trying to win? Are we trying to develop? Which dial am I turning up if I'm the youth coach, right? Another guy says, too much five on five. That goes to your point of maybe we need to play three on three or smaller sides to sort of get more involvement, more, you know, smaller sides, more touches, smaller court, you know, all of those things like you talked about soccer doing first, that maybe we could transfer that to basketball. Another one, and I spoke to this, was too much bully ball strategies revolve around the early blooming players. Like, hey, get it to the really, oh, I got this great kid on my youth team, and let's just get it to him, and you other guys get out of the way. And yeah, so those were some, that's some of the feedback that I got from from a group of coaches by posing the question, "What's your biggest gripe about youth basketball?" Yeah, and those are great. I've coached in a with a camp league actually that did no pressing and significant improvement in how the game was played itself because of the the amount of talent that you may or may not have on the floor and the the idea of development if that is paramount if that is the most important thing and this is hard to buy into but if the development is there the winning will come and i know it may not come as fast as you might want it may be just easier to throw it to that one guy but again like what are we actually trying to accomplish here and if development is paramount, then we do need more time to practice. And the argument against that is kids only get better by playing in games. And what they're saying is people, they only get better in game situations by playing games. And that's why we talk almost <laughs> too much about yeah. playing playing in practices and playing small set of games and mm-hmm. not doing this on-air stuff. I have personally seen our improvement in the win column by us playing more games in practice, but it's not just scrimmaging. 
Yeah. And I think that's why we just keep both of us just keep harping on educating coaches as to what that can actually look like in your practice so that you do win more games, but you also are developing players who know how to play the game. Yeah. You know, one piece, my biggest, I'm often asked, what would my biggest piece of advice for a youth coach would be? And, and again, full disclosure, I went straight to coaching high school basketball. I didn't coach youth. I really don't like it. I, I don't really, it's not something that I would say I'm an expert on or any, by any stretch of the imagination. I'm not. Um, but if I were to be asked like, what, what would your biggest advice be for a youth coach? I would say, just don't be the reason that the kid leaves the sport. Like don't be a jerk yelling, screaming and like make boring. And this isn't fun. This isn't and then the kid, you know, the next, you know, mom or dad comes in the next year and says, hey, you want to play basketball again this year? No, nah, I, I didn't like it. You know, like it's not for everybody. I get that. But like, don't let don't let the yourself coach be the reason that the kid leaves the sport. If they don't want to play, they find another love, another passion. That's fine. But like if they leave the sport because like the the adult, the dad or whomever that they that was assigned to coach the, the their first team they were ever on or something like that or their second or third team they were on and they're like yeah, I don't this was a horrible experience I think that's that's just don't be the reason they leave the sport you know like that that'd be my biggest piece of advice yeah great thoughts great thoughts so I have one question for you before we go sure this was impromptu and I, I wanted to um, throw it to you would be you I know you have a young son. And he's probably about the age where he's going to be beginning his journey into competitive basketball. Is that correct? Right. He may be a year or two away, but he's probably getting there, right? Yep. So what do you see just as a parent? Maybe try to take your coaching mind out for a second and, and just as a parent. What do you see that you just wish you didn't see or don't like about the options that are there for your son, what what it looks like, what the games are like, what the what do you see that you wish were, were different? Some of the things we talked about, I think just the amount of games versus the development side of things. Um, I've had the advantage of either running the camps for or being a part of the camps that he's been a part of and the focus of what those are, like the skill development. Whereas I still think at that young of an age, he's five. So like teaching them how to dribble. But then playing a game that we've played for years that everybody knows of, but like a game like Dribble Knockout, mm -hmm. where there is always that element of fun and there is a development and there is like understanding space and how to play and whatever, like <clears throat> rather than focusing an overemphasis on one of those things. Yeah. And that's where it seems to be like there's an overemphasis on skills or there is an overemphasis on just playing the game or there is an overemphasis on fun even. And I'm like, that, that doesn't have anything to do with basketball. Mm -hmm. And like, how can we combine all three of those elements so that they leave wanting to play? Like it just thrills my soul when he's already at the age where I'm leaving for work in the morning and he's mm -hmm. out at seven thirty, eight o'clock, whatever shooting outside. Like he wants to go. And when I get home, the first thing, Hey dad, can we go outside and, and play basketball? Mm -hmm. Like that's what you're really trying to get at with these kids is like, they're wanting to do these things because it is fun, but also they're learning the development through the skills themselves. And then also the, yeah. I think it's just all, it's always seems to be an overemphasis on something. 
there's an overemphasis on winning or there's an overemphasis on fun or there's an overemphasis on just doing skills. Mm-hmm. And there's problems with each of those. With skills, with overemphasis on skills, it's boring. An overemphasis on fun, they never learn how to do anything. An overemphasis on winning, there's not a development because yeah. we're, we're going to do whatever we need to do to manufacture the win. Yeah. Um, so like just being in balance with all those things. Yeah. Well said. So is there anything you as a parent of a, of a youngster that's going to, you know, probably move through the basketball industrial complex, like that you're going to say, I'm not, everyone else does this, but I'm not going to do this with my kid. I have attempted to allow him to play what he wants to play when he wants to play it. And I think that that helps with the overall skill and motor development and the interest as well that then does down the road prevent potential burnout, prevent potential injuries. I'm aware of all of those studies. Mm -hmm. And so all of those are kind of in the back of my mind. And I just, again, don't want to have an overemphasis on something that then has negative results to it. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Well said. Great answer. Thank you. You can bring both perspectives as a sure. as a parent and a coach and a and an observer of the sport. You know, yeah. I I would just say that like I, I could see that being a challenge to to yeah. to see maybe some of the products that are available to your son as he enters into sports and see all the things that like are a little incongruent with what you know as a coach and and a, and a right. student of sports and things like that and a, and a, an educator that, you know, man, I just wish this were different, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. For sure. These are good. We do want to make you aware of coming up this coming month, Tuesday, Mm -hmm. September 27th, we have a five out clinic. We talked about like plays. These are not necessarily plays. This is more of like teaching players how to play and uh, kind of some early offense options out of it. I have seen just more and more coaches attempting to develop an offense philosophy. They are merging transition offense and half-court offense into one and just wanting to teach their players how to play seamlessly. When we get the ball, we're on offense. I'd like and, to think I have a little something to do with that. And I, I, I <laughs> do have something to do with that. And I and I just – I've had coaches – I had one just ask me yesterday like about how to go about doing that. This would be something that would be great for you. We're going to talk about five-out early offense. Randy's going to have just some great stuff. We'll have clips. We'll have diagrams. We'll have breakdowns. We'll have teaching points. There'll be a little bit of everything, and then it always ends with a with a Q and A. We had a great group last time. We talked about pressure, man-to-man defense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, I have a feeling we'll have even more that are interested. But that will be September Tuesday, September twenty seventh at eight thirty p.m. Eastern time, 7.30 p.m. Central time. We have links available down in the descriptions. And then also we've been posting them on social media and we'll continue to do that over the course of the month. So be sure to sign up for that if you're interested in attending that. Thanks to all of you who joined us this week. If you missed any part of this live show, you can go back and watch or listen to any part. You can watch the full version at Radius Athletics YouTube page. Just search Hoops Forum there on YouTube. Or you can go to any podcast platform if you want to listen to it and search Hoops Forum, and you'll find the audio version of the show there. For Randy Sherman, I'm Tony Miller. We'll talk to you again next time on Hoops Forum.